Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Running a business means you have to wear many different hats at once and learn quickly how to multitask. How do business owners manage? It was a completely different financial journey that I then went on, which was far more successful probably than what I would have been had I not had the cancer. Do not procrastinate. Make a decision. If it's wrong, identify it, put it right. If it's right, well done. But either way, you've made a decision and you've gone forward. Welcome, listener, to Be On The Balance Sheet. I'm Ashley Bloom and I'll be your host. In this podcast, we'll be talking to some amazing business owners who talk us through their superpowers and what they do that nobody else does. This week, we talk to Robin Stanton-Gleaves, advisor and former CEO of Europe's largest provider of managed print and outsourced services. We discuss Robin's incredible journey from salesperson to founder of a 40 million plus turnover company and what it takes to build and run a business empire whilst battling cancer. So Robin, welcome to the Beyond the Balance Sheet podcast. I can't wait to hear more about your story and learn how you built your business empire, essentially. But to kick things off, I'd love to hear who you are, what you do, why do you do it? Well, I fell into it probably like many people that uh, turn their hands to business. I didn't do very well at school. And I took nine O levels and I gloriously failed seven of them. So it was a disaster, to quote a phrase. I didn't carry on at school, obviously. I went to work at a Bromley Court Hotel in the gardens for a while. And I wanted to work in central London. I grew up in south London in Bromley. And I found out that I could get a job with the civil service based on having two O-levels, English and maths. Well, hey, I've got English and maths. (laughs) So I went into London and I worked in the civil service. Got me into central London. Got me to uh, see the, the bigger, wider world. Civil service wasn't for me, but it got me into London. I started off as a salesperson once I left the civil service. I read the London Evening Standard one evening. I was on the train looking at the um, jobs. They they always used to focus on sales opportunities. And uh, one evening it said, earn £24,000 in your first year. I think at the time I was living at mum and dad's, I was earning £4,000 a year. That was my annual salary. So I went for an interview and before I knew it, I got this job. And that was my journey into becoming a salesperson and selling photocopiers. The earnings were commissioned. This was in 1988, 89. I didn't earn £24,000 in my first year. I think I earned 19000 20000 But it was still a lot more than the 4000 I'd previously been earning. 
And then from your sales position, you progressed to being the MD of a startup that soon became a 40 million plus business. How did that journey begin? I started late in my own running my own business. So from 1988 through to 2003, I worked in various roles selling photocopiers. We could glorify it and put it in the IT world. <laughs> and I did that till 2003 working for an American corporate. And from being a trainee salesperson, I ended up running 300 salespeople across the UK, hit, hitting various numbers that they wanted. And then as in many things in life, an episode happens. And in 2003, my father died. It wasn't sudden. He was an older man. I was brought up by an older older family. Mm-hmm. And he died. And it just made me take a look at my life. And I realised at that time, something internal within me, that where I was working with a board of directors at that corporate organisation, I thought I was working with them. But the reality, when I analysed myself, was I was actually working to make my dad proud of me. And I didn't realise that until my dad wasn't there. And even at 35, I still had that desire of him to say, well done, son, well done, son. And as I look back and I've got older and I try to understand things, it's probably because I messed up in my exams. You know, I then went on this journey to prove to him that actually exams aren't the be-all and end-all. Yeah. And you can get on in life. And I know he was proud of me. His passing made me realise that it's time for me to start something on my own. So in 2004, as it was, I I did. I started my own business selling photocopiers, doing exactly the same. I could talk about workflow solutions in the IT space, but ultimately we sold printing, scanning and photocopying uh, digital equipment. And then when you were kind of trying to scale that business up, because there are so many people that have startups and They really struggle getting it to that next stage of the business cycle. What kind of steps did you take? Or was it a really natural progression to becoming this hugely successful company? It's a a good question, Ashley. When I decided to start my own business, I I was successful in my trade, but only successful in, in a corporate. And so therefore, I had to take a step back and I wanted to go and talk to as many people as I knew that run their own businesses. So I went to see these people. Many that have been acquaintances of mine in, in my career. And I bought them a pint or I bought them lunch. And I sat and talked to them about their business. And one thing struck me. All these businesses had got to a certain size and plateaued out. And it was because the owner or the proprietor, the MD, he was also the main salesperson. He'd started the business. It was his business, but he carried on selling. And it struck me that because those people carried on selling and their sales were holding up, the value of the organisation, they actually had no time to grow the business. And so I took a decision on that day and I decided I'm not going to be the salesman. I'm not a bad salesman, actually. In fact, I'm pretty good. And so for the first 18 months, I didn't pay myself. I didn't take any money out of the, the, the company. I was in a fortunate position that my previous years in work had allowed me to have savings in order for me to do that. I employed salespeople. I did sales with them, but I let them enjoy the, the benefit of the sales. And by doing that, I never became part of the sales arm within the business. I did do sales. I fed them through the other guys, but the business wasn't reliant on my sales. 
and that allowed me the time to grow the business. It's interesting you say that because there's a saying that a lot of business owners tend to work in the business instead of on the business, when actually if they did it the other way around, they would manage to grow and scale, as you say, in a kind of better and faster way. How would you advise somebody who's getting stuck in the inn to kind of take a step back? Is it about bringing in the right team? What's the first step to take in order to stop wearing so many hats and look at it from that level? I think the other piece of inspiration I took was from a book I was reading at the time, which was Michael Caine's Life Story. And I'm sure we all love Michael Caine and we all agree that he's one of our favourite actors. But he made a statement in his book that resonated with me, which was he wanted to make money while he was asleep. And he made that statement on the basis of moving into films because he was a stage actor. So he was touring the UK, he was treading the boards, which is the phrase that those actors use. And he was getting paid while he was live performing. So if he made a film, he's then making money while the film, people are watching the film and he's fast asleep. And that was his transition into films, from stage into films. And I think I took that same set of words and said, right, I've got to have the people to do it for me so that I can be asleep and the people are still running the business for me and making me the money that I would like to get from my business. So in answer to your question, and it's a really easy answer and everyone says it, but they don't always do it, Mm. is get the right people. Your business is as good as the people you have in it. And if you spend that little bit more for good people and reward them and motivate them and encourage them and develop them, then your business itself will also do the same. And when you get the right people in the right seats, what was your major management style in terms of getting them to do their best work and getting them to thrive? Because it's really tricky, isn't it? There's that real balance between employees seeing themselves as employees and then employees seeing themselves as a kind of integral part of a business. Well, well, first of all, you've got to employ somebody that's got a a mindset that will, will fit your culture. So I've always used some sporting analogies in my business. So I'm a big cricket fan in as much that if you know cricket, there's 11 people in a team, but they are not all the same. There's a set of bowlers and within those bowlers, there's different types of bowlers. There's a set of batsmen. Within those batsmen, there's a different set of batsmen. Some batsmen open, some batsmen come in the middle of the innings. Some batsmen are boring, some batsmen are prolific. You'll also have a wicketkeeper. But each of those 11 people have to do their job for the team to win. So they have individual responsibilities. The opening batsman individually has to open the innings, be boring and create a platform for the innings. That's his job. But he's in a team. The opening bowler has to bowl as fast and as aggressively as he can to bowl out the opposition. That's his job. But that's his job within a team. And I take that same analogy into my business and to my companies, where make sure you've got the right person that's got got an element of responsibility for his role, but has a wide enough mindset to be part of a team. I know that his part of what he does adds to the team result. The management of people, of course, in that environment is paramount. And their compensation or the way you pay them must also follow. So there'd be an element of rewarding them financially on their bits, but their real success comes from the company result. And were you always really transparent with your team in terms of your business goals, your targets, and being really, really clear about that? Because I know that 
a lot of business owners kind of come up with their strategy and their goals, but somehow there's this separation between their goals and what their team are aware of? Good question. Start of every year, I always had a kickoff meeting. And in that meeting, first of all, reviewed the year gone by, always reviewed the good things and always highlighted areas that we let ourselves down. And then I set the, the targets for the year ahead, both financial and strategic, and made it very clear on where I hoped us to be and what we needed to do. And I used the word we. It was my business, but it was always a we. I, I did that every year. I would always put a theme around the year. I remember in 2012, um, that just so happened that I needed £12 million revenue in 2012. So I did a whole thing about the year 2012 being our £12 million target. But I always found a theme on every year to build, build the plan and the strategy around. As an employee in a kind of management position, I know that I think it's so important for me to be aware, especially in a marketing role, of kind of the top line business goals so that I can make sure I'm doing everything I can to help them achieve it. But I think there is sometimes that kind of thing where maybe it is a big conversation at the beginning of the year or a big kickstart meeting. Yes, yes. Just to get everyone rallied up around the same goals and the same strategies. I think that's a really, really good piece of advice. So can you talk us through some of your biggest successes? kind of the things you've done and achieved that you're most proud of? I remember going back to when I went around to see all those people that run their own businesses at the beginning, and I decided that I won't sell, I'll, I'll run the business. I, I had a vision in my head that I would have a certain size of business based in Kent, serving London, South London and Kent, and there'd be so many staff, and, and that would be my business. As I got into doing it, and I met ultimately, the competitors at that size. My ego kicked in, I suspect. And I looked around and I thought, blimey, these people aren't that good. I've got more to offer than them. And I got to the size of business that I wanted to get to reasonably quickly, or far quicker than I thought. To answer your question, I probably looked around then and thought, oh, Gleavesy, you might be doing all right here. And I remember I went shopping with my missus at the time, we had a day off in London on a Saturday and I went into, we were shopping around the Mayfair area and we passed a garage, a BMW garage, which sold minis. And the iconic mini, you know, funny enough, Michael Caine and the Italian job, but the iconic mini, there was, it was sitting in this showroom, electric blue, checkered roof, checkered wing mirrors, sporty wheels. I think it was for sale for £19,000 and I liked it. And I thought, well, let's buy that as a little runaround car, you know, sit on the drive. And I bought it there and then with my Switch card. Now, the Switch card was the very first debit cards that the banks brought out. So you used to have your current account checkbook and then you'd have a credit card. But the banks brought out this card called a Switch card, which basically meant that it was taking the proceeds from your bank account straight out. Like we all know what a debit card is today. And I bought this mini on my switch card, which meant I obviously had that amount of money in my current bank account and enough that I could afford to do that and not miss it. And I sat with, uh, I sat and had a drink afterwards and I thought, oh, I must be doing all right because I've just walked into a showroom yeah. and bought a car on my switch card. And that's when I thought to myself, yeah, this is going well. And I'm, I'm on a journey. Especially when you think about the fact that you said when you were in your first sales photocopying job, 
you said you earned around 19,000 in that year. My first year, yeah. Yeah, good point. So it goes without saying that you are incredibly successful. You've built some amazing businesses and I know you've got a lot of kind of, you've got your fingers in a lot of pies, should we say. But what is your business superpower? What is it that you think you do that nobody else does? Oh, I don't think I do anything that nobody else does. I don't think that for one minute. I think I'm good with people. I think I'm good at understanding people beyond what people think they are. I think I know when I've got a square hole, I can identify the square peg straight away. Equally, I can identify the round peg. And so I won't force the round peg into the square hole. I think I'm very good at that. I'm very good at identifying when I haven't got the right person. I'll carry on looking for the right person until they come along so that I get the best I can. I think that's what I'm good at. I think that's a really, you'd be surprised by how important having incredible people skills is. To be in business, you've got to have a certain amount of ego. I don't mind talking about ego because there's no bigger ego than mine. (laughs) However, you've got to know how to manage your ego and you've got to understand your ego. And my ego allows me to be the least talented person in my team. I don't have to be the best. Some people believe they have to be the best. I don't. I, if I, I always think if I'm the least talented person in my team, then bugger me, I've got a good team because I'm not bad myself. That's how I think. Yeah. I mean, and it goes without saying that if you are building a team, you should be bringing in people that can do what you can't do because otherwise, why are you bringing them in in the first place? So I think, and if they can do what you do, do it better. Do it better. Yeah, Quite right. exactly. Quite right. So I think, I think that's such a good point. What would you say has maybe been your toughest challenge or the lowest low that you've experienced so far in terms of business? We'll come on to your kind of personal stuff later. But in terms of business, your toughest challenge that you had to overcome and how you overcame that challenge? Well, it's, prob- it's probably personal and business. In 2014... Uh, I got diagnosed with a cancer. So my business was doing well. And my father died of cancer. And my mother died of cancer. In fact, my mother died of it while I got diagnosed. Oh, she, gosh. And she never knew I had it. I let her die without me having to tell her. Oh, bless you. And I had to take some time out. I had the operation. I had the treatment. And uh, I recovered from it. It, it, did sh- it did shake me. I think sometimes we think we're all indestructible. And we carry on in our own way taking things on but that that just made me think a little bit and, and that did create a challenge in my life I had a board of directors that was running the business so I started my business and I've been running it now for 10 years yeah and at this stage it was turning over just under 40 million pounds 240 staff across the UK I had a board of directors that were very good all did their jobs it did strike me that they always needed me at the helm and when I got ill I realised that being at the helm on your own is quite lonely. I decided there was a lot of activity in the marketplace and I decided that maybe maybe I've been, been on a good run. I also reviewed the market and I worked out that actually at a £40 million turnover, I wasn't in the right space. My market was changing and I either needed to be 90 to £100 million turnover or I needed to be £10 million and more niche. Now, I do right. know that cancer is driven by stress and nutrition. Yeah. Mother died of cancer, father died of cancer. I'd had my cancer. I decided that perhaps I wasn't in the best state to drive hard again. 
I had three young children. I had a responsibility to them as a father. So it probably wasn't right to drive it hard. So I decided to sell my business. And it was probably like I was in a casino. I'd had a good run on the roulette wheel. My chips were <laughs> nice and high. And maybe it's time to cash in. Yeah. And, and I went to market and I went to see if I could cash in. And I did that. And I went on a series of, of, of meetings and journeys for the next 12 months in order to sell my business. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. interesting that you say that obviously your diagnosis shifted your mindset entirely but when you'd gone through it and you'd sold the business and you'd gone on that journey has it has being diagnosed with cancer still and beating it just to point that out has that still affected your mindset towards the way you do business today well I need to finish the story really because having decided to sell the business and selling the business took a period of 12 months Within those 12 months, I sort of got better, energy levels rose, and my sort of vuvuvum came back. And, and I was only 46, and I thought, bugger, what am I going to do? So a strange thing happened. I had a couple of offers to sell the business um, from manufacturers within my industry. And, and then one of my competitors, him and I had a love-hate rela- relationship in as much that we competed in the market. We, we grew our, our businesses, uh, and he had a, a business partner, and, and he kept ringing me up and saying, look, you know, come, come and talk to me, come and talk to me. And I said, and his name was Jason. I said, Jason, I'm not coming to talk to you. I'm not selling to you. He said, Robin, come and talk to me. Jason happens to be one of the best salesmen I've ever come across. And he sat me down one day and he said, Robin, you're 46. Whether you get this amount of money or that amount of money, what are you going to do? Let me buy you and let's merge the businesses together and go on another journey. I said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that, Jason. I said, Jason, you've got a partner. One doesn't go into two. Not interested. And off I went. Kept ringing me. I'm convinced I'm going to do a deal somewhere else and sell my company. He rings me up. I go and see him again. Robin, my partner's had enough. He wants out. 
How about you and I coming together? And like I said earlier, it's the best salesman I've ever met. So the person that I was never, ever going to sell my business to, I did. I sold my business to him. <laughs> Although, I sold, to be fair, I sold half of it to him. Yeah. He made me an outstanding offer because he gave me pretty much one times my revenue, but only half of it. And the other half to remain in the new biz- in the combined business. And for me to join him as a joint CEO. And, and, and dovetailed with the fact that my energy came back, my vuvuvoom came back, I had recovered from the cancer fully. I thought, yeah, why not? Let's go on another journey. Hindsight's a wonderful thing, but it was a good deal. And then after 12 months, we sold half of the business to a private equity firm for a good valuation. And in those 12 months, the money that I'd left in the business doubled because of the way we cut the cost out, made it more profitable, carried on driving the sales, and then attracted a PE organisation to to invest with us to go on the next journey. And so therefore, the half of my first sales proceeds that I'd rolled forward, I've now doubled. When they bought half the business, I was able to then take that half out and still leave the other half in the business. So that made it a very successful transaction for me. And then we went on another journey. So with the private equity company... The reason we did that was that gave us the credibility, probably a bit of guidance in some areas, but also the necessary funds to go and buy our biggest competitor. And so at that time, so when my organisation turned over £40 million, Apogee, who bought me, Jason's organisation, they turned over sixty. So our combined revenues were 100 but much more profitable than the individual organisations. The private equity organisation made their investment and six, seven months after their investment, we bought our biggest competitor who was turning over £130 million. Now, they weren't doing very well, but they still had a mass presence in the market. And we made that purchase, which, of course, took our combined revenues to £230 all within two and a half years. And so it was a very sad time when I got diagnosed with cancer I thoroughly enjoyed running my own business and I was, in my opinion, flying on it. But illness, 12 months recovery, it was a completely different financial journey that I then went on, which was far more successful probably than what I would have been had I not had the cancer. So do you think if you hadn't have had the cancer, then you wouldn't have even thought about selling or analysed the market or anything? No, I would, I would have carried on. Oh, because I, you know, I'm indestructible. <laughs> they say everything in your life happens for a reason, and until those things happen, you don't know what the reasons yeah. were, do you? But yeah. I mean, that is clearly an incredibly successful journey that you went on in that period of time. Would you say that there's any mistakes that you've made in business, though, that you're very pleased you've made? So mistakes that paid off, because I know that. You mentioned ego, right? You mentioned business owners and their egos. But there are so many business owners who are so afraid to make mistakes when actually making mistakes tends to be the way to run business, right? Because you learn from them. Um, I can't give you an exact example of the mistake I made. But I did run the organisation on people making decisions. Yeah. Do not procrastinate. Make a decision. If it's wrong identify it, put it right. If it's right, well done. But either way, you've made a decision and you've gone forward. 
It, you might have gone forward two steps if the decision is right. If the decision's wrong, you might go back a step. But once you've identified it's wrong and then go forward, your two steps forward is still further forward than where you were without yeah. making a decision. And so I used to pl- I used to applaud people for making decisions. And if they got it wrong, I never told them off. Because if you tell them off, they'll be afraid to make decisions. And you have to make decisions. You just have to make sure in time you've learned from them and further in time you make far more greater decisions than you do bad decisions. But if you think you never make a bad decision, then you're not making enough decisions. Definitely. And just taking it back to your diagnosis, I know that after you wanted to give back and raise awareness... Yeah, I went round every office that I had at the time and I sat and spoke to people. Men, us men... We don't talk about our ailments. We don't talk about illness. We'll go to the pub. We'll have a pint. We'll talk about the football results. We'll talk about, you know, the the latest filthy joke that's been thrown around on WhatsApp. You ladies go to a coffee morning. You talk about your well-being, you know, and and then, oh, I've got a lump here. I better go and have it checked, (laughs) you know, this, that and the other. Us men don't do that. You know, we don't, we're not brought up like that. We're not made like that. But prostate cancer is quite prevalent. In, in, in males and it's killing quite a lot of males. So what I did was I went round all my offices. I sat and spoke to all my men in the offices. I also included the women and asked them to invite their husbands in. And together with me and a representative from Prostate Cancer UK, we just spoke about, about you know, some of the things that you ought to think about both now and in the future to, to make yourself wary of it. And then I had everybody tested. So every male person in my organisation was tested for it and every husband or partner of of female personnel was tested. And we we found two people that were subsequently treated and and are okay now through that process. Incredible. And imagine if you hadn't have gone through that journey with your diagnosis and then gone around the offices, those two people might not have ever found out until, you know, it could have been too late. Yeah, quite right. Which is just again, just goes back to the kind of everything happens for a reason thing. When it comes to kind of being a business owner, and obviously, once you kind of merged, things change, but business owners really suffer from isolation, they feel very alone, I think. And especially when you go through something like a health scare, or a loss, as you said, when you like lost your father, anything like that, I think you can really feel isolated. What would you advise to business owners who are suffering business owner isolation in order to avoid feeling like they're doing it all alone oh <laughs> not sure i can help on that one <laughs> i'm the one that, i'm one of the people that suffers <laughs> i mean all of the business owners i've spoken to really do suffer so i think it's something that it's a conversation that really needs to be had yeah i guess well somewhere along the line you need to have be able to have a bit of self-analysis and work out what it is that you're not talking through. Very often, it's nothing more than being able to talk through what's going through in your head. And invariably, it's not your missus. Because when you go home, you want to switch off from it. You don't want to talk about it. So it's not your missus. I suspect, you know, there's people I can think about that I've spoken to, which would, would have been mentors. There's people that I could think that... Definitely when I sold Bell Reed and I, be, and I had a partner in Apogee with Jason. In many ways, there was times I was very frustrated because it wasn't solely me. And being a control freak, 
You know, I wanted to do it my way. By the way, Jason was equally a control freak and wanted to do it yeah. his way. So we had some we had some lovely sessions when I look back, but equally we had each other. And it's it was there was times actually that I could argue it was very nice having a partner. I don't know if it's better to have a partner or not have a partner. I'm not sure I can comment on that. I've had both and, and there's pros and cons to both. I mean, you mentioned that when you go home to your family, that's your kind of time to shut off. How did you balance a kind of healthy work-life balance, or did you not? I probably didn't, if I'm honest. I worked a lot, you know, and there was times that, you know, the family didn't see me. My weekends were sparse, and I didn't partake in many family events. I had boys, so I, I did a lot of sport with boys at the weekend. But outside of that, I did very little other family-orientated activities because I did throw myself into the work. Do you find now that your work-life balance, now that you're kind of advising and you've, you're doing a lot of sort of different projects, do you think your work-life balance has improved? It's getting better. I'm on Good. the road to getting better. It's only recently that I've, I've found this newfound time, having finally sold the business and served yeah. a period of time of bedding it in. I've, I've come out. I, I'm only eight weeks into it. But yes, I'm slowly finding a balance. Good. And then if you had one piece of advice to give to somebody starting a business or transitioning in the way that you did from sales employee or employee to owning a business and starting something up, what would that advice be? I think the advice is different depending on the type of business, what they're doing and where they're at. So I guess if there was a general answer to that, be absolutely sure that it's the right time to do it. There's no rush. I started my business at 35. And up till 35, I worked for somebody else. Now, I probably made a lot of mistakes. I probably learned an awful lot. But that was at somebody else's cost. So when, so when I started it myself, I was a little bit, probably a little bit more educated, if you like, on how to make it successful quicker. So maybe... Maybe I would say that there is no rush. It's about timing. Make sure that you're equipped as well as you can be to start your own business. Make sure the market is in the right place for it. Make sure you understand what your brand and your place is in the market and you stay true to it. And you and you have all the confidence that you need in order to drive it through. I think that's a really good piece of advice. And lastly, Robin, what's next for you? I mean, I know that you're now chairman of Bromley. You've got all these other things kind of going on. So what's next? If you've got your eye on anything? No, I haven't. I, I, don't, want to, I don't want to be tied to a nine to five job again at a desk. I don't want to work for anybody ever again. I think I'd be an impossible employee, that's for sure. <laughs> I have these other interests. And in all these other interests, I have a person or people that I believe can be successful. And I want to help them become successful. Now, we'll add to my success as well, but I will get greater pleasure out of making them successful. The football club, I want to, I want to show that I can grow that outside of football and provide a sustainable model that allows the football club to live without me. I believe I can do that. So that's, I guess that's, that's my primary objective. But with all my other interests, I want to see the people involved enjoy it become successful and and earn, earn a nice living out of it like I yeah. did with my business incredible I mean thank you so much Robin your story is just 
just so inspiring. And obviously you've gone through so many hurdles and gone through so many different battles with your personal health. So thank you, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I massively appreciate it. It goes without saying that Robin's journey is super, super, super inspiring and one that I imagine all business owners aspire to achieve. I think really the best taking from our interview was that everything happens for a reason and that you can't let little mistakes or, you know, things that happen in your life have a massive, massive effect on your journey because all of those things, every mistake you make, anything that you go through, it happens for a reason And all you can do is take them as they come and see what the outcome is at the end of it. If you liked this episode, go have a listen to the rest of the series. We are Raffingers and you can find us on Instagram, Twitter and LinkedIn at Raffingers. Alternatively, you can check out our website www.raffingers.co.uk. I've been your host, Ashley Bloom, and this has been Beyond the Balance Sheet. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.